Okie dokie. <clears throat> Are we ready? Yes. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch! I'm Batman. Or do not. There is no Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast today. We've got Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, John Farthing, and I'm Hazel Burton. On our show today, we've got our spoiler review of The Rise of Skywalker. We've also got our preview of 2020, all the things that we're looking forward to in the coming year. So let's get started. It's nice to see everyone again since mm. uh, this is our first recording after Christmas and the new year. And we're very merry. Yes. 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 Sadly, I can't remember the last time I saw you two since last night. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, have we, have we seen Dan since Christmas? No, you saw me a few days before Christmas. We watched the Star Wars Holiday Special together. We did, yes. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. But we watched the first few minutes and then the last few minutes and fast-forwarded the rest. That's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. The only way to do it is not to watch it at all. But the feed of it we watched did have the NBC adverts just before it explaining that tonight's episodes of Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk would not be shown tonight. Because you were getting the Star Wars Holiday Special instead. Do you think people were disappointed at the time? I don't know. Or just afterwards? Wonder Woman and Incredible Hulk in the 70s were big mainstream shows, Mm -hmm. so there Mm -hmm. probably were people who thought, oh, what's this space thing? Especially when you watch the first five minutes and it's all in Shirawook (laughs) and uh, not a word in English. Really knowing their audience, though. Oh, absolutely. No subtitles. None at all. And why does Chewbacca's wife wear an apron? Because the patriarchy wasn't destroyed, just the empire. (laughs) Yeah, Wookiee society is very patriarchal. Grandad's sitting there watching his VR porn. Lumpy's causing mischief, as all Wookiee children do. And poor Mrs. Chewbacca's just trying to do all the cooking for Life Day. Oddly enough, I got a Chewbacca apron for Christmas. Ah, yeah. yeah. Well, as you know, my fiance did, and I got uh, the Harry Potter one. What does the Harry Potter one have on it? Um, It's got a... Um, a tie and a shirt and the Gryffindor badge and the robe. So you're a house elf, basically, doing the cooking. Yeah. I wouldn't stand for that, Hazel. Yeah. <laughs> Someone give me some clothes. I was going to say, if Andy gives you a sock, are you free? But that sounds a little bit like spousal abuse. <laughs> uh, wizards and Harry Potter don't generally do the cooking, though. They get the house elves to do it. Especially mm. at Hogwarts. No, only the rich ones do. Like Molly Weasley does all the chores. Yeah. In fact, ooh. I, I'm, I kind of live a little bit down on Harry Potter at the moment. I'm, I'm a bit down on J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Merchandise keeps appearing. Every city in the UK now seems to have at least three Harry Potter-themed shops. And I've kind of had enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the books. Uh, no, I, I, I enjoy you know the film, But there's, there just seems to be a constant stream, and a constant stream of people who are still really into it, but a lot of these people have been really into it for a very long time. And I know this is weird as a lifelong Star Wars fanboy, mm. but we have learned to dial it down sometimes. Yeah. You don't tend to get that with Potterheads. They tend to be full on all Hogwarts all the time. And the new stuff that's coming out isn't really... You're talking about the two movies. Um, yeah, the Fantastic Beasts movies. I would struggle to think how anybody could love those films. Cursed Child was good fun when you were watching it, not knowing anything about what was going to happen. There are plot developments in that play that made me have to headcanon a new explanation for certain things that happen in it, because it just comes so out of left field that it doesn't make any sense. I haven't read the script because I will go and see the play at some point. But is it like a Back to the Future 2 or Back to the Future kind of thing where there's a narrative going on underneath a narrative that we've already seen? It's really tough to say without spoiling mm. it, but things happen where you think, that doesn't work, but if dot, 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 writing your own story, that works. And you shouldn't really have to do that. You didn't have to do that in the seven original books. But how much of Cursed Child was J.K. Rowling? Because Jack Thorne, yeah. who wrote his Dark Materials and many, many other plays and TV shows, wrote it with her. Has everyone watched the end of his Delt materials yet? Yeah. No. Yes. What did you think of the ending? I have now reached the point where I can't remember what happens in the books. Uh Uh-huh. I can vaguely remember that it all gets a lot more metaphysical and theological from this point. And it's a lot more serious discussions about organised religion and less Mm -hmm. about an adventure with a girl and a demon. I thought the series was really good, really well done, uh, really involved you. 
And then just at the last sort of five minutes or so, it almost like petered out and didn't go anywhere interesting for the end of the series, is how it felt to me. Did you feel the same? They're already filming the second one, aren't they? It's filmed. Filmed. They've done it. Yeah, but that's not a reason to not finish on either a Mm -hmm. conclusion or a cliffhanger, and it seemed to be neither. Remind me again. I can't remember. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. part of the problem. Mm-hmm. It literally just like petered out from what I remember. Yeah. I was very enthusiastic when I recommended it on the podcast mm-hmm. a few months ago from the first episode. And my experience kind of waned a little bit as the mm-hmm. series went through. I know you found the sort of animal cruelty you had an issue with. Yeah, I, I guess I just, I don't know, I just wasn't expecting it. And it was more like animal torture. Mm. I could feel every fibre of his pain, like through me. And it was it was weird. I just had that weird thing. Well, they all bonded to cells, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought the last episode was pretty good. I always knew James McAvoy was a twat. <laughs> um, but Secrets in the casting. I can't, I can't say that I am counting down the days until the next series. It's, it, was, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of endings, I'm very pleased Watchmen, which we talked about a couple of episodes yeah. ago, that landed ended perfectly. Oh, yes, yeah, it was super, really good. I was so episode. pleased with that. Uh, so uh, I'm going to release Lost from Nerd Hell. Finally, oh, vindication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Damon Lindelof has redeemed himself. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, as proved, he can do an ending if he wants to. Um, we'll find out later whether or not J.J. Abrams is yes. also allowed out. <laughs> yeah. um, There's a space now, isn't there? <laughs> I will say no more. Yes. Uh, do we want a second series of Watchmen? Because I kind of don't. I think it was mm. a perfect beginning, middle, end. Like the original graphic novel, this told a full story. I would welcome more, but if they don't, I'm fine with that. I think if it's as good, then yes. Uh, he did say they kind of used up all the ideas they had. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that doesn't mean that... Somebody else might have an well, idea. Well, I think I would prefer them to continue it, but more a case of to do it when he knows you've got the right idea to do it with. Yeah. I want to see something maybe not quite like Fargo, but set in the same world as the mm. first series, but not necessarily... That story's done. Uh-huh. But it's such a yes. rich world created that there's lots of other stories to be told there has been quite a trend for that uh, castle rock for instance doing mm-hmm. something very similar with its second series now a completely different set of characters to the first series and in a way that's better because it's driven by what the story is yeah i quite often think american series can tend to disappear under their own weight after a certain amount of mm-hmm. time the mythology builds up and it can't sustain it anymore so if you do a related stories thing or different views of the same world i think that works much better as long mm-hmm. as the story's driving it I wonder whether they could resist the temptation not bring back all the characters that we've already seen, which would make the world feel a bit smaller. Yeah. Like everything of significance happens around these same people. So getting back to Star Wars again, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's do a preview of 2020. I've got a list where I've uh, outline some of the things that I'm most looking forward I've to. I've got a list. I, do have a I list. was going to say, I've probably missed a lot. So Mine's do... everybody that wronged me oh. <laughs> in 2019. Can I just check that list, John? <laughs> am I, talking, am, am I still on Game it? of Thrones here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so you have first ones in February. January is always shit, isn't it? So I've had a few Januaries. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of Januaries. Yeah. Feel free. I think Sam Mendes' 1917 mm. could be a good one. I do like World War One films. There are lots of really good ones yeah. going all the way back to the 1920s with All Quiet on the Western Front. Much more recently, Journey's End, I thought was excellent. And hopefully 1917 will also be very good. I have a feeling I could get annoyed by camera trickery in it. So this is it's meant to be one long tracking shot, but they've cheated a couple of times. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think like Birdman... It will all be interwoven. Yeah. But I think that could be good. And I do love a good walk and talk. You know. Oh, yes. <laughs> could be walk and talk and explode, I think, on this one. <laughs> and uh, Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote is mm-hmm. finally getting its cinema yes. release in the UK at the end of January. I have seen, well, half of that. I, as a lifelong Terry Gilliam fan, but I wasn't buying it the first half I saw, I must admit. Oh, I enjoyed it. All right. I thought Adam Driver's great in it. Uh, Jonathan Price is great in it. I mean, it's very low-key. Um, I'd still like to have seen the version with Johnny Depp. Did you watch the documentary on that? Lost in La Mancha, yeah. which is, I think it's the only making of documentary for a film that never got made. <clears throat> oh, actually, no, there's one about June now, isn't there? The mm. Jodorowsky version yes. of June. Um, didn't Superman Lives, did that get a documentary? Uh, yes, it did actually, yeah. yeah. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than those other three. Than all those other <laughs> ones. Yeah. 
I was given for Christmas um, the greatest sci-fi movies never made. Oh, that's an excellent yeah, book. Yeah, I'm mm. really looking forward to that. Superman Lives is in there. Uh, so what else? And then January, the Bad Boys sequel. Oh, God, okay. I'm sure all are looking forward to that. <laughs> is it Michael Bay again? Is it I'm Michael guessing. Bay? No, it's not. I saw the trailer and it just looked painfully bad. It did, yeah. But Michael Bay's been too busy on Netflix. With Six Underground. Oh, that was... Oh, I didn't like it. I, I know some people liked it, but I thought it was terrible. Mm-hmm. You took a normal action movie and then cut all the shots to about half the length they should be and mashed them all together in a random order. And then did some weird flashbacks within flashbacks. You never quite yes. sure where in the timeline you were. Yeah. But not in a clever, clever way, in a incoherent editing yeah. kind of way. It all looked really good. It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to um, The Grudge, the, the second American remake of The Grudge. So the original... Uh, I'm going to say Japanese, but maybe Korean, is really, really good. The American remake, not so much. This is done by a young director by the name of Nicholas Pesky, I believe his name is. Any relation to Joseph? No relation to Joe, no. Who's done a couple of really good low-budget horror films, and Andrea Weisbrot is starring in it, who's always kind of quite good value. So I've got hopes for that as a decent second American stab. Would have been good if it was Joe Pesci's kid, because <laughs> then it could have been if it wasn't for those pesky kids. <laughs> 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 We've got Doolittle coming up in January as well. Mm. RDJ. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure about that one. There's already two perfectly average Doolittle movies. <laughs> well, there two. Oh, with Eddie Murphy, I've yeah, got that one. Yeah. This one looks like it's closer to the original books. Uh, Hugh Lofting. I'm hoping not quite as racist as the original books. Robert Downey Jr. is always good value for money. Mm. What's the accent, though? This weird Welsh accent thing weird he's got going Scottish on there. hybrid, yeah. And it's been a really troubled production. I think there's been lots of reshoots and delays and everything, so... That doesn't bode well. No. I, I will watch it. I just won't expect much when, when I see it. it. What's going to be interesting is it, it's a test of is Robert Downey Jr. a star or is Iron Man a star? Yeah. Because I'm not sure what he's done outside of Marvel films in the last decade. I did decade. get an Oscar for Chaplin and things, but... Yeah. Well, Sherlock, I mean, that's a long, long time ago, isn't Sherlock it? Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes films, yeah. Were they big? They were successful. I, I yeah. didn't like them <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a third on the cards but there has been for a while um, yeah guy Ritchie um, says he wants to do another one actually guy Ritchie is also the the other thing that's coming out in, Jan- in january is the gentleman mm-hmm. oh yeah with hugh grant and matthew mcconaughey yeah. mm-hmm. hugh grant seems to be for some reason playing michael Caine. have you noticed if you look in the trailer it's all so today oh, i'm doing this sort of thing <laughs> i'm speaking in this sort of way moving on to february we have um Birds of Prey, the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. semi-sequel mm. spin-off. Birds yeah. of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, to give it its full title. I thought she was joking when she put that uh, on Twitter. But yeah, after splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary Huntress and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord in Gotham City. Neil McGregor is the evil crime lord, is that correct? I might just spoil it there. <laughs> but I think it's quite clear from the trailer that he's uh, hiding a secret. She was the best thing in Suicide Squad, Margot Robbie. It was the one good thing maybe to come out of that film. Yeah. And I've been really enjoying uh, the animated series, which oh, yeah. is on at the moment, which is a really weird kind of profane take on the Batman animated series. It's very sweary. I've only seen the first one. It calms down a bit after the first one, when mm. it, it kind of goes into its own little groove a little bit but I've really been enjoying that take on the character. I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't think Margot Robbie would return to that character mm-hmm. unless... Contracted to do so. Unless there was something she wanted to do with it, because <laughs> she's been at the forefront of getting it made. I know Suicide Squad made over a billion, and that's mm. why they're doing the really? Suicide... Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. me. That's why they're making The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's a 2020 release or whether that's 2021. But I have a theory, these big films, and I think we've seen that to some extent with Star Wars, which again, we're returning to in some sort of way. It seems you can have like a really big film and it's only in the box office of the next film that you get either rewarded or punished mm. for how bad that film was. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Justice League suffered because of Batman v Superman. Uh, yes, amongst yeah. other things. And I suspect the Suicide Squad may well suffer from Suicide Squad not being as good mm. as it should I, be. I think the Suicide Squad will get that James Gunn bump, though, mm. I think. Maybe. Let us not forget that his last film was Guardians 2, though. Mm. Mm. The disappointing follow-up. I think the uh, pervasive mms say it all. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Um, and then A Quiet Place Part well, 2. Before that, that can you miss Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog on Valentine's <laughs> Day. He went too fast. Yeah. Just yes. him. Have you seen Baby Sonic? No. So this is what the thing they're obviously hoping will be a Baby Yoda very soon. Yeah. Is there is a hideously cute but, version of Sonic. But Sonic has no genitals. Mm. So how did he reproduce? How did he reproduce? Well, like all hedgehogs, very, very carefully. Like a hedgehog. <laughs> so a hedgehog. <laughs> a hedgehog. <laughs> a hedgehog is a very different thing. <laughs> it's just a little prick. <laughs> <laughs> the redesigned Sonic looks much better than the abomination that we saw in the first trailer. Less likely to lead to nightmares. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a classic character design. and You just say, well, just do the character. Can I be really cynical? Sure. You think it was deliberate? I think they deliberately released a really bad one, used Twitter outrage, which they know is a thing, based mm. on reactions to lots of other things, had the other Sonic in reserve, and brought that out to great acclaim that they wouldn't have got if they'd just released that in the first place. Yeah, but you do run the risk of, once people have made an opinion, they can stick with that opinion. That's, this is that's true. the risk of it. I mean, Cat's never recovered from that first trailer, did it? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't believe it. I think they yeah. just had their visual effects team working very hard. Mm-hmm. It's not actually the main thing that's putting me off. The main thing that's putting me off is Jim Carrey. I can't stand him. He's mm. one of my irrational hatreds. <laughs> There is one other thing I've not really heard of till I was researching this, which is Bloodshot. Anyone know about that? No. So this is Guy Pearce playing a sort of scientist and Vin Diesel is the person he's experimenting on and he brings a soldier back from the dead with superpowers. Oh, this is part of a comics universe that is not Marvel or DC Mm. and somewhere in the void I can hear Ian shouting the name of the Valiant Valiant (laughs) at me. But this is supposedly going to kick off a whole set of films based on those Mm. books. Valiant have more than 2,000 superhero characters with sales of more than 81 million copies making it the third largest library of superheroes behind Marvel and DC. But presumably a lot smaller. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot, lot And how many of those characters have we heard of? Um, I've not heard of Bloodshot, which presumably they're going for one of their bigger names to start with. But before we go into March, do we care about the Invisible Man? No. Uh, (laughs) Don't want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) So another one is A Quiet Place, part two. John Krasinski back in the director's chair, and it's uh, the family fighting for survival again, but we don't really know what's involved, which is good. Hmm. Isn't at the end of the film, don't you see like fires that are being set somewhere or that there's, you see something mm-hmm. else going on, yeah. like a larger world? Yeah, there are hints that there are other people out there. And I think this will probably focus on them rediscovering each other. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. need to do something different. Yeah, you don't want the same family trapped in a house yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Having, a, say, a small band of people all together and then the family being part of that band, that would work. You think so, but then you've seen the late seasons of The Walking Dead where they discover more mm-hmm. people in the same situation and band together. Oh. Speaking <laughs> speaking as someone who is up to date with The Walking Dead, the first part of season 10 was quite good. Yes, and then the last few yeah. episodes did its usual thing of, here's a background character who we haven't really featured that we're now going to heavily feature just so we can kill them off and you can be sad. Yeah, <laughs> A friend of mine just watches the first and last episodes of each half season. <laughs> And he's convinced that he's missed nothing. (laughs) You're not far off. Yeah. (laughs) There is another one in March, which is Onward, which is Pixar. Oh, yes, Pixar. Originally very excited for that, the idea of a fantasy world with unicorns and things like that, but modern. It looked like bright, but good. And then the second trailer revealed more of the plot, Mm -hmm. which is two brothers trying to bring their father back from the dead. Or the rest of their father back. Yeah, the spell goes wrong and it's he's only a bottom half. And that strikes me as a little weird. Wicked and Bernie's? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it could still be really good and I've no doubt it'll be touching and good quality Pixar stuff, but I'm not as excited mm. as I am about Soul, which is the other Pixar film coming out. Was one of them horribly delayed? Not sure. I think Onward might have been originally coming out in 2019, mm-hmm. but I don't think any of them have been delayed mm. too much. I've been had a Pixar movie for a while, so... Yeah, just well, Toy Story 4 in 2019. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it seems likely that something bounced into this year. Yeah. But of the two of them, I think Soul, which is Pete Doctor's latest film, who directed Inside Out, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the one that people remember from 2020. 
because it's going to do something, I think, similar to Inside Out in terms of delving into humans and Ooh, what makes us work and things like that. might make it harder to market, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I thought that about Inside Out, yeah. and it did really well and was brilliant to it boot. It so. doesn't exist. It doesn't exist? No. Why not? That, that, that pink elephant's still alive. Oh, yeah, Bing Bong is fine. Bing Bong is fine. absolutely fine. We turned it off at exactly the end of the film, and you didn't see anything that happened afterwards. Speaking of which, uh, No Time to Die is the main one in April. Bond is back. I I can't actually remember anything that happened in Spectre, so I don't know if he's not part of it. That's the best way. Christoph Waltz is a bad guy. He has been recruited back into MI5. MI5? MI6? MI6. To rescue a scientist who's been kidnapped and uh, then goes on the trail of a villain who has got hold of a load of technology mm. that's going to harm the world. Have you seen the shot in the trailer of the villain with the opera style mask on? Yeah. What is it with James Bond and facial disfigurement equaling evil? It's a really yeah. weird trope in yeah. those films, isn't it? But again, Star Wars. <laughs> kind <Yeah>. of red. <laughs> it's not the only people yeah. doing it. Uh, I'm just not that excited about it, but I'm not a massive Bond fan. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, mm-hmm. is involved, which hopefully will put some new slant on it. She said a very good thing that made me realise that she understood it, where she said it's important that the film treats women right, mm-hmm. but the character doesn't have to treat women right. So the film can't be sexist, but Bond can still be sexist. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I think you don't politically correct Bond. You put him in a world where that behaviour is not acceptable. It's a tricky one. I, I'll yeah. see what she's getting at, but I'll be interested yeah. to see how she manages it. Anna de Armas from Knives Out mm-hmm. is in No Time to Die. She'll be good. Was she the lead in... Uh, she was Marta. Marta. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Other mm. than that, I have no interest. Let's just see if Daniel Craig can be interested enough in making mm. the movie and yeah. not just on the page. Yeah. I would much rather the two of them were making another Benoit Blanc mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, a bit of a triple production, that one, because Sam Mendes no longer, uh, and Danny Boyle no longer... Well, Danny Boyle wanted to kill Bond at the end, apparently, was the part of the reason they, they fell out. There's no way that's true. <laughs> no, that I mean, it just can't that? be. There's just no possible way mm. that's going to mm. be the case. Well, there's always that thing about whether James Bond is a codename or not, but I think that was put to bed by, was it Skyfall, where he visits his parents' grave and... Oh, because it said Bond on the grave. It said, yeah, Daddy Bond and Mummy Bond. Mm. It just so happens his real name was the same as the codename. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite handy. We've also got in, in April, um, Peter Rabbit 2. Cool. <laughs> so Black Widow then. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, there's also The New Mutants. No. Which is no. no. That's no, no, not no. coming out in April, Peter. <laughs> Why has that moved? It's never coming out. Isn't that act no. supposed to be out in like 2018? There's trailers and everything. Well, there's a new trailer coming out. It is still down there to be released. So have you seen the existing trailer? Yeah. Where it looks like a horror film? They said it was too much of a horror film and it was too much out of the other X-Men universe. So they did a lot of reshoots and then they said, well, it's not scary now and it's been edited over and over again. Mm, that doesn't sound good. That franchise of the original X-Men continuity is going out with a real fizzle, isn't it? Continuity is not a word you can apply to the <laughs> X-Men in any way. We've also got Trolls World Tour. So what basically, we're going to go see James Bond in April and... <coughs> If we have more than one visit to the cinema that month, I will be surprised. Isn't Black Widow April then? It's May the mm-hmm. 1st in America. I don't know if we're getting it a couple of days early. Uh, that, that looks good. Long overdue, obviously. Yep. And it follows the events of Civil War? Uh, yes, it's between Civil War and Infinity War. Yeah. I know it had to be that because, spoilers for Endgame, she dies. But I don't know how they're going to deal with stakes if you know with 100% certainty that she's going to be fine coming out of it. The only same way you hair. do with any movie that features an invincible character. It's about the people you care about and whether mm. or not they live or die. Yeah. That's part of the problem I have with James Bond. You have the big action sequences at the beginning and you know James Bond isn't going to die. It's like death or live. There's no other possible Yeah, outcome. No, but you know, like when everyone's shooting at him, like none of these bullets are going to hit. Florence Pugh is in it and I know she'll be excellent. I was a bit surprised to see Robert Downey Jr. in the list first. I don't like that Black at Widow. all. You put all that emotional investment into killing him off and him leaving the franchise, and then they bring him back a year later. I think it's archive footage. Mm. He's a presence in the film, but I don't think he was on the set. I hope so, but otherwise it kind of undercuts the whole point of Black Widow finally getting her own film. It's to go, oh, but don't worry, Robert Downey Jr. is in it as well. There are men. Mm. <laughs> it strikes me as a bit cowardly, almost. Although also in that month, flying the flag for female empowerment, you have Legally Blonde 3. 
I very much enjoyed the first Legally Blonde. On the surface, she comes across as this ditzy blonde who only cares about her pink glittery pens and her high heels. But um, she you know, very much proved in that movie that there was much more to her than what was on the surface. And anyone who did doubt her abilities got their comeuppance. You could argue the message was, it doesn't matter what you look like, it's what you do that matters. I mean, as a high-powered lawyer myself, I find my ditzy appearance and high heels <laughs> often distracts a judge. Reese Witherspoon has been in The Morning Show recently, which has obviously been dealing with the sort of Me Too side of things. But I'll just put in a quick recommend for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't watched it on Apple TV+, Plus, it's been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Well worth watching. Fast and Furious 9 in May as well. <laughs> <laughs> but this time without The Rock. I, I have really enjoyed the Fast and Furious series. I mean, like, you know, once in the cinema, never again. Um, <laughs> when you say series, have you watched all of them? All of them, yeah. Really? Yeah. It keeps making money, uh, so I'm not surprised they've got the ninth one out, but I don't think it might be pushing the barrel a little bit now. But yeah, Vin Diesel is back. We've also got in May the Saw sequel reboot, starring and co-written by Chris Rock who apparently is a massive fan of the Saw franchise and has come on board to do his own take on it. Which, again, doesn't sound like the best fit of material, but Peter's pulling a face like he has <laughs> moved. But um, if you look at I me, mean, sort of Jordan Peele, who mm. comes from a similar comedic background, did a very good job with um, Get Out and Us. That might be a pleasant surprise. There's a couple of big releases in June, um, starting with Wonder Woman 1984. It's obviously set in the 80s, and it sees Diana... when in the 80s? Mid. The (laughs) mid-80s? Oh, I wish they could narrow it down. (laughs) Uh, So that sees uh, Diana Prince coming up against the Soviet Union, apparently. Uh, So it's set in the Cold War, and also sees the return of Chris Pine's character, bizarrely. Mm, Through some shenanigans, presumably. Timey-wimey shenanigans. Yeah, I I will go and see it, and I hope it's good. Yeah, but Ga- worried me that again they were depending on the male character. Yeah, mm. yeah, but Gal Gadot's great. Paddy Jenkins did a great job with the first one. Yeah. I have confidence this will also be good, and it's got yeah. Kristen Wiig in it as well. And I think she will be a really good surprise. I just hope it doesn't have the big stupid CGI section at the end, which kind of not ruined it, but mm. put a dampener on the ending yeah. of the first one. If they avoid that landmine, I, I think it'll be excellent. Yeah. We've also got in June the Candyman sequel reboot, Reimagining, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Candyman is one of my favourite horror films. I absolutely adore that film. And uh, Jordan Peele is the co-writer and the producer. He's not directing it. And it's basically set, from what I understand, in the same area as the original Candyman, which at the time the first film was a, a, a slum, but has now been gentrified. So we've got Candyman dealing with gentrification and black people being pushed out of the areas they live. And as somebody who loves horror films with like a socio-political edge to them and allegory and horror, I think I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I really love everything Jordan Peele's done. He's two for two with feature films for me so far. My big pick of the summer, I think, is coming out in June, which is not especially nerdy unless you're a Hamilton fan, and that's In the Heights. Oh, yes. Based on Lin-Manuel Miranda's first full original musical set in the Washington Heights district of New York. It deals with gentrification, Latin identity, lottery wins, love triangles, grief. And Mm -hmm. it looks like this vibrant, colourful, happy musical that also has Jimmy Smith in it. Oh, yes, Jimmy Smith. (laughs) And I think it's going to be handled really well. It's not as memorable song-wise as Hamilton, from what I've heard. Mm. It's a totally different thing, a totally different style. There's salsa in it, there's hip-hop in it, there's lots of different musical genres. But I think of the two big musicals out in 2020, the other one being Spielberg's West Side Story. I was going to ask, is that this year? Yeah, I think Mm. that's next Christmas. I would hope that In the Heights is going to be the better one. No offence to Mr. Spielberg. It's opening the same day as Top Gun 2, though, so it's a, it's a bit of mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't want to see Top Gun, go see In the Heights, which I would. You're not a fan of oiled-up beach volleyball? <laughs> well, only when you play. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough oil in the world. <laughs> yeah, Top Gun 2, I wasn't blown away by the trailer. Yeah, the trailer though was, hey, here's all these recognition factors from yeah. the previous yeah. one. And they're always like that for those sort of trailers mm-hmm. at this yeah. stage. So Tom Cruise is now mentoring a new range of Navy pilots. 
that's the concept. I mean, it's been talked about for decades, hasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goose's son is back, um, and to make it obvious, they've put on a moustache. Really? Yep. <laughs> well, Val, Val Kilmer's back as well, I think, isn't he? Um, I think so. I get a Force Awakens vibe about it, where we're just going to get essentially a... Top Gun again. But I'm trying to pass it on to a younger cast. With yeah. the, the footage I've seen looked like there was a lot of real footage rather than CG yeah. footage. Well, this is because Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts, so when he's flying the fighter jet, you know it's him, uh, which ups the stakes mm. a little bit for me. <laughs> yeah. They just pick big films in the 80s and no matter how much later it is they bring it back but not in a way that entices new people to watch it it's more remember this and the big one that seemed to do that for me is the trailer for ghostbusters afterlife Mm -hmm. except i quite like the way afterlife looks like it might be something different and I know John is going to struggle with whatever this movie is are you not (laughs) i'm really it just doesn't feel like ghostbusters uh-huh. For me, all for me, Ghostbusters is the juxtaposition between like the working class. Blue okay, collar. so when they made exactly the same film again, you weren't happy. When they made something that looks different, you're not happy. And I really wanted to like the 2016 Ghostbusters, uh, and I just couldn't get on with it at all. I'm not a big fan of improvisation in films where they just cut together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hypocritical of me, but... No, there was a trend in comedies where yeah. you could tell that the director was like, oh, these guys are so funny, let's just let them riff for 10 minutes and not actually find a way to end the scene. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, that puts you out of contention for awards. I'm reading about today Does that it? Robin Williams didn't get nominated for Aladdin because he improvised so many Ooh. of his lines. So they had a whole big campaign, spent a lot of money trying to get him nominated for Best Supporting Oscar, and they came back and said no, because there was no script. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's a ridiculous yeah. way of looking yeah. at things. But anyway, yeah, I haven't seen uh, Ghostbusters. Is it any good? The original one. It's, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a massive fan. <laughs> Take or leave it. My nephew's obsessed with it now, which I'm delighted about, which means I get to watch the real Ghostbusters with him. Excellent. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, for me, Ghostbusters is, it's New York. New York is a character in the first two films and to have a weird yeah. town and kids, it's Stranger Things. Yeah. Obviously, it could be a great film, it could mm. be a terrible film. I just don't see the idea itself necessarily being a problem. Yeah. It seems like there were two ideas running along parallel tracks. So you've got the Stranger Thingsy, uh, strange things are happening in a different neighbourhood but then you've also got this almost deification of slowly unfurl the canvas yeah. and here is an iconic piece of merchandise mm-hmm. that you remember from when you were a kid 30 years ago. If it has to keep stopping every 10 minutes in the final film to go, but here's a reminder, here's a cameo. Here we got Rick Moranis out of retirement. It's doing it for the sake of it. You're judging a lot on the trailer. I am. And the job of that trailer is to pull on those recognition factors. Mm -hmm. The problem is if people go into that film expecting the film to pull on those same strings like the trailer did and it doesn't do that, they'll hate it like The Last Jedi. But if it does do that too much, you're into a different set of problems vis-a-vis what we're going to talk about soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's a brilliant cast involved in it. It's a brilliant director. I'm expecting a good film, but I'm not expecting a good Ghostbusters film. So I think I'm going to be dissatisfied. (laughs) It seems the sort of film that I would like, but without the Ghostbusters branding on top of it. I knew Star Wars fans were like this. I didn't know Ghostbusters fans <laughs> were like this. <laughs> no, it was, I mean, I, I love that that first film. So It's so important to me. That yeah. I, yeah. Well, if we talk about July, we should probably talk about Christopher Nolan's new film, Tenet. Oh, yes. No mm. bloody idea what's going on in the trailer. Nope. <laughs> no idea what it's about. We'll still see it, but can't say I'm excited because I've got no clue. There's something of reversal happening. If mm. you look like time seems to reverse at times, people are driving backwards up a road in one shot. and There's, there's some funny thing about that going on. Apparently that's that's you, literally it, all I came away with from the trailer. <laughs> Apparently, if you go to certain cinemas to see Star Wars in IMAX, mm-hmm. they've got a scene from Tenet. Six minutes long, I think. Yeah, in a similar way they did with the Dark Knight, where we saw the the Joker heist scene. That worked really well for Tomorrowland, I think it's called. Mm. Yes. The only problem is that was by far the best five minutes in the entire yeah. film, and I was so disappointed with the rest of the film mm. after that five minutes. Yeah. Also in July, we've got Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds oh, film where he realises he's so a character weird. in a game. Yeah. Was quite excited for that until I saw footage from it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. Again, I I was getting Truman Show vibes from that. Yeah, but very much one of these scripts about a video game written by a Hollywood scriptwriter who Mm. must have never played one. Ah. It 
looked super exposition heavy. Yeah. No, thank you. Mm. <laughs> right. We've also got Minions, The Rise of Gru, which is a prequel to a spin-off of Despicable Me. <laughs> Moving <Great>. on. <laughs> jungle Cruise. Which oh, is The yeah. Rock. Yeah. The Rock and Emily Blunt going through the jungle on a boat based on a Disney ride. I was hoping for Jumanji. a bit of Jumanji, bit of The Mummy, bit of the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Judging by the trailer, it looks like subpar versions of all of those. And again, we're judging by a trailer, but watching that put me off wanting to see the film, whereas the concept of it, the casting of it, was other than Jack Whitehall, made me think, ooh, this could be good. Moving on from Jungle Cruise into the autumn, it's another late 80s property brought back to life, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, yes. Now, this is one where I do just want nostalgia. I want callbacks and fan service and just have a bit of fun with the characters again. Did they not save the world with their music by the end of Bogus Journey? And if so, what's happened in the past the several is a decades? a thing. It needs saving oh. quite regularly. Yeah. Okay. And the song wasn't that good. change. <laughs> okay. Will Station be in it? Um, Death is in it. William Sadler's back. And Bill and Ted's daughters, mm. who are now sort of in their 20s, presumably. Because they were babies on backpacks at the end of the original. Yes, they were. So another one where we've got the original characters and then passing on the torch to another generation. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. The original writers are on board. Keanu Reeves looks like he's having fun. Alex Winter looks like he's been having Botox. <laughs> <laughs> also out in September, Edgar Wright's new film that we don't know much about, but it's some kind of psychological horror thriller type film called Last Night in Soho. Um, I think Edgar Wright doing horror. I mean, we've had Shaun of the Dead, but I think this is much more of a straight horror film. I'll, I'll be there, whatever it is. Yeah. I love his work so far. Towards the end of the year, we've got some more Marvel. We've got The Eternals mm-hmm. coming out in, I think, November? Yes. It is completely crazy out there stuff. These millions of years old people created by the Celestials who divided Earth's population into deviants, Eternals, and regular humans, and the Eternals have to protect one while defeating the other. And then one day the Celestials will come back and they've got all these powers, except when they're in cryogenic sleep in Antarctica where they have a base and it it <laughs> is Jack Kirby at his 70s wildest. Right. And how that's all going to fit in to something even like Black Widow, I've got no idea, yeah. but I am excited to find out. They're leading into that kind of insanity and weirdness a bit more because we're getting the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in 2021 as well. Yeah, it does beg the question that if the Eternals have been around all this time, where were they for the past 23 films? They were Eternaling. Eternaling. <laughs> yes. They just missed they it all. on a different timescale to the rest of us. Yeah, possibly. It's just a blink of an eye to them, Dan. Mm. And we're also getting, in October, G.I. Joe sequels and another Halloween film. So we've got that to look forward to. Cool. Or not. So they're doing two more Halloween films back-to-back, I think, called Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, both with Jamie Lee Curtis returning. I think we heard that before. Yeah, Halloween Halloween will definitely not end (laughs) with that one. And the final one I'm looking forward to towards the end of next year is probably Denis Villeneuve returning to the director's chair for Dune, Mm. which I haven't seen any previous adaptations of. Mm -hmm. I have been trying for the past year to get through the first book, and I've been stuck about halfway through since February. If you don't make it through the first book, you won't make it through many others. Yeah, I still think, based on his previous films, this will Mm -hmm. be very good, but it is dense. (laughs) <laughs> it's really tough going to read through. The Sci-Fi Channel series that came out a decade or so ago, I mean, it's it's low budget, it's got the limitations of being a TV show, but that's a fairly good introduction to the material and is, is a lot, I hate to say it because, I, I, you know, it's David Lynch, but it's better than the film in terms of an adaptation of the novel that makes some kind of sense. And it doesn't have sting in it. It doesn't have sting in his tight little tight pants. <laughs> I wonder whether it might suffer from something similar to John Carter did a few years ago, in that the book was so influential to so many things. When you come to watch Dune, you feel like you've already seen it because of everything that it inspired. Yeah. Okay, so everyone pick one thing you're looking forward to this year. Oh, I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Candyman. Wonder Woman 1984. In the Heights. Actually, Ghostbusters, because I saw the trailer this morning. Mm-hmm. Mm. A little bit just goes, oh, because he does not approve of my slightly left field choice.
Now we're going to get into our spoiler discussion of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So we are going to be discussing secrets from the film. So if you haven't seen it yet, please make sure you do and then come back to us. And for this segment, we are delighted to introduce the returning Ian McLaughlin. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Oh. <laughs> but very happy to be here. Like the Emperor himself, we've reassembled him from bits of broken Ian and... <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker follows Rey, Finn and Poe as they lead the Resistance final stand against Kylo Ren and the First Order who are now aided by the return of Emperor Palpatine. Rey, Finn, Poe, Dipsy, la la. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, kick us off. You will have already heard our immediate thoughts straight after the midnight screening and I was in a very strange place mentally there Gateshead, because... A Gateshead car park. <laughs> <laughs> physically a strange place as well. Yeah. But for the first time that I can remember, I wasn't sure what I thought about a Star Wars film. I normally, as soon as it's finished, the first time I've seen it, I've got the the warm, fuzzy, buzzing, ah, new Star Wars Mm -hmm. feeling. I didn't quite get that for this one, and I didn't like it. So I did go and see it a second time, and it settled for me a lot of the issues I had with it. And I like it a lot more now, but I do still have some big issues with this film that I don't necessarily have with other ones. The more you think about it, the more it starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our discussion, I will probably be relying quite a lot on the visual dictionary book that came out the day after the film. Nerd. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I've, I've had those since the time of The Phantom Menace, and they've always been great for absolutely unnecessary background detail on incredibly minor characters like The Phantom Menace one had a whole section on one of the guys in the Jedi Council who had a really long neck and a little round head on the top, who we now know is a Quirmian called Yarael Poof. Um, That's what the visual dictionaries usually do. This one had the job of basically telling you the plot and the background of the film and filling in all the stuff that didn't make sense. Doesn't that point to a problem with the film? It does, yeah. So had you read that before watching the film again? I I have only just finished that on the day of recording. So, Dan, what is your major irk with the film? Ray Palpatine. Mm. Yes, me too. Me three. Uh, our mutual nerd friend, Sean, has tried his best to argue the case for Ray being the Emperor's granddaughter being a great thing and making total sense. I really don't like it. I've had to make up a new explanation in my head of what the truth actually is to make it make sense. And I really don't like it, especially after The Last Jedi made such a point of Mm. you Mm. can come from nowhere and be great. Anyone can be great, only to just go, ah, no, everyone who's great comes from a famous bloodline. It's a much more interesting view that it could be anywhere. Mm. Yeah, and even from a literal point, at some point, Palpatine has chatted up a lady, had sex with her, had a child. That child has grown up during the Empire. Nothing has happened. That child then went and met someone and then had another child and nothing still happened and yet now mm-hmm. suddenly out of nowhere it's a big thing and I just I don't like it the whole being hidden away by the parents it's just far too similar to Luke surely as well mm-hmm. yeah I noticed this when one of my fiance's colleagues who's never seen any Star Wars wanted a quick summary of all nine films <laughs> so I, I was tasked with this and summing the nine films up to their absolute bare necessities, every part of that finale with the Emperor makes exactly as much sense whether she's related to him or not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually make any impact on the story or even on her character. I really like The Last Jedi. I know that was divisive, apart from the casino scene, I think that goes without saying. And it just felt like this film, despite what J.J. Abrams said in interviews, just went out of its way to just shit on The Last Jedi and undo all the interesting plot twists and developments. <laughs> to the that extent, I'm been... surprised they didn't just set it all in the casino to piss yeah. him off. I expected the first scenes to be like Kylo Ren waking up and uh, Snoke coming out of the shower. And Kylo going, I just had a <laughs> terrible dream. Well, Snoke had already been in the shower because he was wearing his dressing gown. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's where, see. yeah. Um, but that's one of the things the Visual Dictionary book does. It ties in lots of bits from The Last Jedi mm-hmm. that aren't obvious from watching the film, like the fact that the First Order are using mini Death Star tech on the Battle of Crate at the end of The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then they've got mini Death Star tech on what are apparently Sith Star Destroyers, not First Order ones. And that is kind of a follow-on. Finn learnt to ride in the casino bit 
and then he's riding the horsey mm-hmm. orback creature in this one. But is that just stuff all retrofitted by the people who wrote the I visual I think it dictionary? is. I think it's Pablo Hidalgo from the Lucasfilm Story Group going, oh, well, those connecting bits fit together. Mm-hmm. But a tie-in book shouldn't have to be doing that work for the film. I thought it set a bit of a dangerous precedent for people who hated The Last Jedi and were very vocal in their displeasure of it. Yeah. That if you shout loud enough and you say things mean enough, you'll get listened to. And you'll then end up with what you saw in The Rise of Skywalker, which is a few moments being overturned. And even if that wasn't J.J. Abrams' intention... I still don't like the fact that if you shout loud enough, you'll get what you want. Mm. Yeah. And don't worry, your first leading woman of colour in a Star Wars film will be totally sidelined and given nothing to do. Oh. Yeah, give her half a lance for Hobbit instead. So she's down from like 10 minutes in Last Jedi to just over a minute in this movie. Really? Mm. Yeah, in terms of screen time. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason why Rose couldn't have been on the Falcon in their mission at the start of the film other than Claude the Blob Man, who mm. uh, is so uninteresting. Even the visual dictionary doesn't have that much to say about him. Uh, he's doing an engineering mechanical job. That is her job. Yeah. She wouldn't have had anything much to do, but she would have been there. Mm-hmm. It does seem that things would have been more coherent and smoother if from the get-go you'd have a three-film plot. Yeah. yeah. But it seems that decisions were made backwards. That seems to be money and time, doesn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. It's weird, though, for them to say, we're making a new trilogy and it's going to be told over the next 10 years, and for them clear to not have a fucking clue where they're going with it. Mm. The reappearance of Palpatine being relegated to a bloody tie-in video game, because that's the only time you get to hear this message going, I'm back. And you know, that's a massive reveal, and it's, it's a line of text at the beginning. If you just had some foreshadowing in the previous two films that Palpatine was behind it all, rather than going, oh, I'm behind it all, surprise, then it would mm. have been much more meaningful, but it was just like, we've killed Snoke, we've got to do something. I have quite a few problems with this film, including the thousand mini Death Stars, mm. which is essentially the yeah. same plot as the other bloody films. Again. Again. Mm. Again, but smaller. <laughs> they can get into places that the other ones couldn't. <laughs> Sneak through your letterbox and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really appreciated them cutting in the old shots of Carrie Fisher, just about that was nice. Yeah. Even though mm. it was obvious where it was, I still thought mm-hmm. it was a nice thing. But then for me, the whole film became like a whole series of outtakes and deleted yeah. scenes put together. Yeah. It was just all very, very disjointed. It felt like a tick box exercise. Like, mm. yeah, we'll put that and in. Also, it confirms in Star Wars no one can die. Mm. Everyone comes back. It did feel by the sheer fact that Palpatine was already back that even though he's been totally vaporised, he could still come back. Mm-hmm. Did it once. And the uh, the Harrison Ford cameo really annoyed me. Oh, did it? Why? It really annoyed me because it's like the justification was, oh, it's your memory yeah. sent to him, but the memory's giving him advice. I have a feeling that was probably going to be Carrie Fisher originally. Right. Yeah. The scene was recreated to match the last scene that they had together. So it's almost the same dialogue, actually, when they were on the bridge in Force Awakens. And he's giving uh, Ben Solo a choice. And he's saying, you know, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And then at the time, he makes the decision to kill his father. And this time, he tries to change that decision although he never will it just seems like a handy vision to have at a mm. moment of crisis i, see, I, I am a just a memory here's some new information yeah, i'm in your head <laughs> oh you're going you're going through oh you're going through turmoil i shall manifest myself in front of your eyes i think if you've done something horrific a lot of people will try and go back to that moment of making that decision and try and make a different choice and I, that came across really strongly to me that he didn't want to make that decision and he everything in his power he could change it. And whilst it was never enough to redeem him and ultimately he had to die, it was a, quite a poignant scene for me. I understand your reasoning, but I couldn't help going, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not in this world. Come on, let's, oh, let's get some porgs in. Oh, there they go. Um, yeah. He walks. Yay. Um, I did think Adam Driver was really good. Yes. Uh, yes, he was brilliant. Daisy Ridley was really good as well. The scenes with the two of them all worked very well indeed through the strength of the performances. Mm-hmm. But again, in The Last Jedi, Kylo Ren had been set up as the supreme leader of the First Order. And the fact that this temperamental, angry, young kid was now in charge of all of this military might mm-hmm. would have been a really interesting villain in the final film. And people have said that, oh, when they killed Snoke, they had no big bad and they had to bring someone back. They had Kylo oh, Ren. Yeah. Yeah. He turned away from the light. He had every opportunity and he turned it down, he stayed bad. And the idea of him 
despite that Bond being the person that Ray ultimately has to defeat to end the First Order, would have been quite good. But Palpatine being back... Mm. Diffused it. Yeah, yeah, it undercuts the power of Kylo Ren, and it undercuts the first six films with Anakin bringing balance to the Force by destroying the, the Sith. Yeah. Even though he said in his voiceover at the end that he did bring balance to the Force, he kind of didn't. <laughs> it was some of the small things that I actually really enjoyed about the film, rather than the overarching story. Mm-hmm. Tiny nuggets in there, which I really, really enjoyed. For instance, the uh, the Force connection. Yes. Yeah. In the same room with them, but he managed to grab their, their, yeah. their necklace. I, I thought it was just a really neat idea. And I don't know why, but I really enjoyed the Force pulling battle when they're trying to pull yeah. the, 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 uh, the shuttle ship back down. I really enjoyed oh, yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, why Kylo didn't try and do that with her ship that she was getting away yeah. on afterwards, yeah. I don't know. But... He's probably spent. Yeah, wait. Yeah, there's one tiny nugget who uh, I think we can all agree we particularly liked, and that's Babu Frick, the droid smith. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's, he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely voiced brilliant. by Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Yeah, Shirley Henderson. And I quite liked, um, was it Dio? Dio, yeah. That was quite a fun character. The hairdryer. The hairdryer, but it spoke. It was quite nice. I, I don't think he actually got enough screen time because I was quite interested in the whole like he's been abused by his former owner. You know, when he goes and he, he someone goes in for a hug or tries to touch him, he goes, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I quite yeah. like that. Um, mm. I think it was Brie Larson who tweeted saying it was actually a really interesting depiction of someone who has suffered abuse. Yeah. Mm. Someone tries to comfort them and they will politely go back and say no, thank you, and Ray just leaves him alone. Mm-hmm. She doesn't pursue it and go, no, come here, come here, we'll do that. A yeah. nice personal moment, even though it's with a droid. I think that's one of the really nice things that Disney have brought back to the franchise. Because obviously, they do a lot of inanimate objects coming to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, all the robots in, in spin-offs and things like that have been really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did we feel about C-3PO getting a bit more time in this one? He had a nice little character arc, didn't he? I was convinced he was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> no one dies. No, nothing <laughs> dies. Yeah. I was really sad when Chewbacca died. And then when he wasn't dead, I was like, oh, fuck's sake. I don't think I ever bought into him being dead because no. it just seemed so out of nowhere. You don't see a body. It's, you know, mm. you don't, he's not dead. Oh, another oh, fuck off moment was when he got the his medal. medal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that was, I teared <laughs> up a little bit when he got <laughs> his medal. You? Yeah. Oh, God. I, th- I thought we all, when we discussed this last, we were saying he'd chosen not to have a medal and that he was on the point of principle that fighting, you know, we had no way to pin it on. And all that sort. He's naked. Yeah, he's like one of those guys that turned down the honours, like the New yeah. Year's mm-hmm. honours. Yeah. yeah. So think- now we're saying that's not the case. They just overlooked him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could always read it as it's a memento of Han because it, it's Han's medal. It, it was pried off Leia's corpse by Maz Kanata, because she is a pirate, I guess. But mm-hmm. it was Han's medal that Leia had taken with her, and that's been passed on to Chewie. So it, you could interpret it as something to remember his best friend by, rather uh, than, here's a medal mm, for you. Right. And another thing that really made me laugh was the fact that Kylo Ren had his helmet repaired with a glue gun, essentially. <laughs> a glue gun. <laughs> and a little Didn't even match the colour. <laughs> with the infamous Knights of Ren. Yeah, oh. they were cool, weren't they? They, they, no. you know, they weren't very good, though, were they? <laughs> no. <laughs> they last about two seconds. Yeah. Did I hear right when the, um, the, the stormtroopers told us who the Knights of Ren were by saying when they walked past, then they went goals? Uh, ghouls. Oh, ghouls. Ghouls, they're ghouls. I thought they said goals, like as in like stormtrooper goals. It's yeah. like, that's like <laughs> the ultimate. Um, and one bit on the First Order that I really loved was General Hooks turning out to be a First Order spy, not because he liked the Resistance, but mm-hmm. because he hated Kylo yeah. Ren so much. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a lovely little touch. It's exactly something that a little twat like Hooks <laughs> would do just to get back at somebody who he didn't like. He would betray everything just to get one over on them. So it's basically a labour dispute then? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and he also doesn't <laughs> no like... No union on the Death yeah. Star. Apparently he also hates the Knights mm-hmm. of Ren being unkempt and putting dirt on his polished floors. <laughs> <laughs> Did we, did we like um, Mark Hamill appearing and apologising for his role in The Last Jedi? Yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Okay. It kind of worked for me because by the end of The Last Jedi, Luke is apologising for what he's been doing in The Last mm-hmm. Jedi. Uh-huh. He's apologising yeah. for being in exile, for being a miserable bastard. By yeah. the time that he does the Force projection, he's realised that he's been wrong. So him catching the lightsaber and saying, don't throw it away, is him recognising that as yeah. a character he shouldn't have done that rather than in the last film he shouldn't have done that. Just because Mark Howell has been so vocal about not agreeing with the character arc that he had in The Last Jedi, I got a little sense of kind of extra textually there it being a J.J. Abrams and Mark Hamill going back and correcting 
yeah. what they thought had been incorrectly done to the character in the last one. There's also the sense that this new trilogy shouldn't really be about the original mm-hmm. characters. It's about the new characters and the the other characters should be there as mentors. And mm-hmm. Which is another yeah. reason why I hate yeah. Ray having to be related to one mm-hmm. to yeah. get yeah, to a conclusion exactly. it wasn't needed. Yeah. And um, on one of the other new characters, Finn got a bit more to do. But like you've been saying, John... His arc in The Last Jedi was learning not to run into these self-sacrificing things and to stay alive for the larger cause. He does the same thing at the end of this one, and Rose is just like, yeah, see you, bye, sacrifice yeah. yourself, which is annoying. <laughs> Even me for the last two hours, I don't care if you die. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he finds a new friend who's Janna, who, um, according to the book, is very strongly hinted as Lando's daughter, because the book explicitly says that Lando's infant daughter was kidnapped by the First Order to mm. take him out of action so he'd be so grief-stricken he wouldn't take part in the Resistance. None of that's in the film. Yes. Which makes that conversation between Lando and Janna at the end... I thought he was hitting on her. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's realising that she might be his daughter. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. Maybe want to come around space with Yeah. But the fact that she and all of her mates are also First Order stormtroopers who had a crisis of conscience and defected casts a little bit of a pull on all of the sequel trilogy because every time they're shooting and killing a faceless First Order stormtrooper, it's not like the Empire where these guys volunteered to be evil. Every one of them Mm. is someone like Finn or Janna who's been brainwashed from infancy to be a stormtrooper. None of those guys chose to be the faceless goons, but they're going around and even Finn's going around and go, woo, got them, killed them all. It doesn't work the same way as The Empire for me, and it took until this film to realise that that's a bit uncomfortable, even more so than when they blow up thousands of Imperial troops. They're blowing up brainwashed kids, and that's a bit wrong. What do we think of um, Carrie Fisher? You all know I'm a huge, huge fan of Carrie Fisher. Leia's death in the film, I, I got choked up by. I was very, very emotional by it, and I think it's because Leia has always been the most human aspect of Star Wars for me. And she didn't die via a lightsaber or via a blaster. She died trying to save her son. And that's the best send-off I think they could have given her. When he does go to the light, that's when she could be in peace. I thought that was really... I'm Mm. getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. I thought that was really, really well done. It also had the the other side of the thing as well, which I thought was just a really fitting way to say she's not here anymore. Carrie Fisher. Just, yeah. just, just to fade away, and I yeah. suddenly felt the, I felt the emptiness and the loss that they, yes. everyone feels for yeah. such a wonderful character just to not be with us anymore. I thought yeah. it was very emotional at the point. I, I th- thought it was it was distracting at the beginning. I think whether we're using the footage from Force Awakens and Less Jedi, it's like playing cliffhangers almost. <laughs> she was saying random lines of dialogue, and then yeah. the other characters were trying to justify it to make sense of it within the scene. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the dialogue wasn't. <laughs> Great, but I thought the situation that they created for her was great, even if the dialogue didn't exactly yeah. fit. Once you've seen it that first time and you've got your head around how they've used the footage of Carrie Fisher, yeah. Leia's part in the film works a lot better because mm-hmm. you're not right. looking for the joins. Yeah. I think it's impossible not to look for the joins the first yeah. time you see it. Yeah. And she speaks mostly in little moral phrases and platitudes and things, but because she's taken on that role as teacher to Ray that works and on the second viewing you don't notice those joins and you think mm. yeah leia seems to be this calming influence she's not rushing back into battle she's not on the run and yeah she's speaking in these little things like never underestimate a droid yeah and you can imagine her as this almost sensei like figure we also saw luke finally managing to be able to lift the x-wing out of the water after his usual terrible parking <laughs> yes Lots of, of terrible moment. parking. Yeah. Yeah, the Falcon crash lands mm-hmm. at one point as well. A couple of times. It's amazing how it still worked as well, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was full of water, wasn't it? So we've been a bit down on it so far. What did we like? There are lots of bits I liked. I liked the core characters being on the run. It was a chase to get an artifact. Kylo Ren is after Ray. Ray is after the artifact. And you were just spending the majority of your time with those core characters. And I really like the first half. The reason I struggle with it is because it started to over-mythologize in the second half, trying to tie it all in and making it epic. But the moments of the characters, people like Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac being swaggering and roguish, 
Anthony Daniels doing some really good stuff, just focusing on those characters that we followed through the trilogy, I really liked. And overall, I did like the film. I've just got a couple of big issues with it that yeah. do taint it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I liked the beginning with the light speed skipping. I thought that yeah. was really, mm. really fun. And I really liked the end. I think it was really interesting to see a bad guy grappling with the light as opposed to what we've seen before, which is a hero grappling with the dark side, kind of flipping that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ben Solo's character being irredeemable. He couldn't be the hero, but he rescued Ray so that she could be the hero. She could, she could have chosen someone better to retire, though, couldn't she? It's true. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the idea of the two of them being this dyad in the force, this mythological reason for them having such a strong connection and it wasn't Snoke that put them together if they'd made more of that bond rather than all the emperor granddaughter stuff Mm -hmm. and it being about the two of them play to the strengths the strengths are Rey and Ren and what we got of them I really really liked Mm -hmm. they they represent light and dark and Mm -hmm. light and dark has a way of balancing itself yeah that's the that's the meta Mm -hmm. theme isn't it Yeah. yeah yeah He didn't need all this. Oh, your granddaughter. Yeah, didn't need Palpatine at all. He's always been a cartoon villain. He was a bit like a rather third-rate Davros as well, wasn't he? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I thought it was some really, really good action sequences, really well directed and lots of fun. Finn and Poe didn't fuck. I was a bit upset about that. (laughs) There there was very little fucking in Star Wars movies. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted them to get it on. And it was a good film, but as a conclusion to this epic 40-year series, it was a bit lacking, I thought. Do we really believe it's the conclusion? Not for one second. Mm. No one dies. <laughs> That's the yeah. title for this episode. Mm-hmm. No one dies. Because we thought 2005 was the conclusion. Yeah. And presumably we thought 1983 was the conclusion. Have you seen that comic book panel of The Watchmen? It's Dr. Manhattan going, it is 1983 and I am watching the last Star Wars film. It is 2005 and I am watching the last Star Wars film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope not. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, the, the actors are getting older and there's a, you know, a limit to how much you could continue anyway. Mm. At least you would have put an end to the Luke, Leia and Han yeah. triumvirate. And they did that well. I, like, yes. I really like the Force Ghosts of Luke and Leia together mm. at the end. Mm-hmm. That was nice. And that settled for me on a second viewing as to why the film is called The Rise of Skywalker. Because Rey, as this new powerful person in the galaxy the vanquisher of evil, has been trained by Luke Skywalker and Leia of the Skywalker bloodline. She's had this connection with Ben of the Skywalker bloodline. They have formed her, and so she's chosen their name because the Skywalkers have ascended. They've risen to be one with the Force. And it it, it does work, although mm-hmm. on the first viewing, I thought, why is it called The Rise of Skywalker? Because they're all dead now. <laughs> My favourite part of the film is the very last shot. mm because back in the 70s, I remember being obsessed with the shot of Luke silhouette in front of the twin sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So every time that came on screen, I, I would get this huge emotional rush. And then at the end, when Dio and Ray stand in front of the twin sons, I, would, I got that same feeling again. Mm-hmm. So I suddenly was transported back to when I was a kid. I was going, <laughs> I was crying. <laughs> um, lots of nice new characters as well. I quite like Zori Bliss, uh, yes. Carrie yes. Russell's yeah, character. Yeah. She was very nice cool. Nice to see the red power range you get in work. <laughs> Though, again, you have no idea who played her. You see her eyes at one point, that's all. Yeah, and why do you need makeup and nice eyelashes? I know it's that as well. <laughs> all made up. She's done her eye makeup just to be under the helmet all day. But there was a lovely moment with her and Poe towards the end when they'd won the final battle and he just kind of gives her a little yeah. raised eyebrow and a bit of a nod and she just shakes her head at him. And yeah. so that, that was, <laughs> that was that funny, sort yeah. of summed up Poe's yeah. character. No. And my favourite cameo in the film was, had to be the Ewoks. Yeah, because it was totally pointless, but I still went, yeah. yay! <laughs> I liked Wedge coming back finally. Yeah, um, that was actually Warwick Davis in the suit. Was it? Just yeah. for one last yeah. blast. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and his son playing Wicket's son, mm-hmm. which is nice. I'd been spoilt but on that, unfortunately. There was a behind-the-scenes shot of Warwick Davis looking at his Ewok suit, which was a shame, because I would have liked to have had that as a little surprise at the end. Yeah. But then he wouldn't know it was him. No. Are there any other secret cameos going on? Uh, Kevin Smith is in it, in the background. Is he? Uh, yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a resistance guy having a hug towards the end. Yeah, um, Gary Glitter plays... Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> pl- plays one of the First Order Stormtroopers. Um, uh, Barry White, I believe. <laughs> Barry White's there. Barry White's in there. <laughs> they made him a special oh, fat Stormtrooper yeah. suit. 
John Williams got a cameo. He did, yes. I like a bartender on Kajimi with an eye patch. Uh, that was really nice. I think rumour has it via a behind-the-scenes featurette that Ed Sheeran could oh, be in there. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe he dies. Maybe he's in one of those Star mm-hmm. Destroyers with Richard E. Grant. I thought the sound design was really good. Yes, I know there were quite a few is. places I really mm. noticed it. I didn't think the music was that good this time around. I don't I even remember the music. I uh, totally relied on a couple of the usual themes and didn't yeah. really add anything or expand upon it. I mean, the guy's 87, isn't he? So yeah. like other... And this was his final film as he retired now? It's his final Star Wars film. No one ever retired. retires. <laughs> 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 He'll come back as a force composer. Yeah. <laughs> <He will>. Making <laughs> ghostly music. It's all go. It was nice seeing Richie Grant have fun. He was yeah. clearly enjoying it. He was great. It was a great little cameo, yeah. wasn't it? That was fantastic. I loved when he shot hooks. Yes. Yeah, that was just a... Yeah, tell them we found our spy. I love with, with, with Richie Grant, I did feel like they just they'd cut it like two seconds too quick i just wanted to see the old oh shit look at his face yeah <laughs> didn't quite get that mm. yeah so marks out of 10 what would we give oh, it oh blimey after my first viewing i was hovering around a five or a six Ooh. Mm. after watching it again i'm probably up to a seven or an eight i don't think i could go beyond an eight Mm. which puts it relatively low down my infamous list of Star Wars rankings. Right. It's um, my least favourite of the new trilogy. I, I love The Force Awakens and love The Last Jedi. Came out of both of those screenings just really bubbly and excited. And this one, I felt very little. And the last mm. thing I expected to feel after a Star Wars that movie... That was a weird thing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Is, is, ...is nothing. Um, a lot of it felt like, you know, as a tick box exercises um but there were moments i really loved layers moments all the stuff with ray and um, and ben i'm at a six and a half at the moment mm, i'd struggle to give it any more than seven do you find like in the cinema at the end there was just a general sense of meh yeah yeah as people mm, very much we, we all yeah. we all had that you could yeah. hear it in our voices when yeah. it came out yeah as well. not just us but the entire cinema i mm. didn't watch it with you but there was that sense mm. in yeah. my screening as well and Ian, you were somewhere Same. else as well. Yeah, yeah. But it was empty, so. Mm. <laughs> but having been to the <laughs> midnight screenings of all of them, there was a big buzz after the... Yeah, cheers. Yeah. And not, none of that. I've only seen it once, and I've liked The Force Awakens less every time I've seen it, and I've liked Last, Last Jedi, Jedi more, more as, yeah. as, as time's mm. gone on. So I'm wary of having only seen it once. As a standalone Star Wars film, as a fun action film, it's an eight as a capper to the trilogy and all, all nine films, it's a six. Mm. There was such a big responsibility for the final film. There were so many people to try and please at the same time. I actually thought it was quite a, a, a reasonable stab at that. Yeah. 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 Yes, it's my least favourite of the trilogy as well. And there's loads of faults with it, but there were some really beautiful little tiny little moments. So mm. I would hover around a seven. And that brings us to the end of another Nerdfest episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a quiz-tastic episode. Hey, John, what are you going to do for people who leave us a, a review? I'm going to send them a pair of my glasses from the 1980s, which they can put on to see through time into my youth. <laughs> God, right. <laughs> that, that is better than sex. <laughs> Not in the 1980s, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there was a teacher. Um, oh, God. No. All right, on that note, let's end it now. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to... A man who's looking forward to 2020. A man with a light side and a crispy dark side. A man who has appeared at the end to fill in some plot holes. <laughs> and a woman who deserves a medal just for putting up for these three. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. You couldn't wait five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> This is the ghost force vision of McLaughlin. No one ever really leaves the show. (laughs) (laughs) That's your coda. (laughs) No one ever dies, but Ian's halfway there. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.